We're already in three sermons in. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse number 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us wait for blood, let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole, as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Let, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we are here this evening, Lord, we must first start off by saying thank you for your faithfulness. Week after week, we return here and lift up requests and first start off by lifting up the praise that you've answered so many prayers just in such a short time. How often it is, Lord, I believe that we take for granted Another day, another time, another moment, another hour to see our family, to worship you, to tell others about you, to gather here together in this sweet time of fellowship. A little taste of what it will be one day when we see you. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. We can't thank you enough for how precious your hand has been upon us, Lord. I know that even in this hour next door in our building, Lord, there are young people gathered, Lord. I pray that you'll be with Evan and give him the words to speak, Lord. Lord, I pray that this moment and this hour the gospel will be lifted up and that all of these people in our building this evening who profess to not know you may today be the day that they see their need of you and repent of their sins and place their faith in you. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. We, we're, our hearts are burdened by those who are unable to be with us this evening, those who are sick. Lord, may they be upon our hearts and minds that we pray that you uh, heal them in a manner in which only that you can do, Lord. We long to see them here. We miss them when they're not here, Lord. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving the strength to those who are here this evening. Those who are battling illnesses also, Lord, but uh, just mustered up enough strength through your grace and mercy, Lord, to get here this evening so we can learn from your word. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday, our local news stations were broadcasting 
far and wide. Yesterday in the day of uh, in Cincinnati was a day in what they were calling amnesty. The day of amnesty. If you have any courts, dates that you've skipped out on, you have any charges against you, if you have bench warrants against you, the city was saying just yesterday alone, you could come down to the courthouse and get a clean slate. I mean, your crime isn't gone, but they're going to lift the bench warrant and get your court case back on track. Mothers were on TV smiling Thankful to the city of Cincinnati for the leniency they were having upon their children. One lady testified about this leniency that her child really is a good child. He just got involved with the wrong people. I thought this is exactly what our message is about tonight. Here in our text this evening... Proverbs is speaking to us about listening to people and who not to listen to. Solomon here is starting off in verse number eight, where we left off last week, speaking to his son, my, my son, my, my son. This is a common statement as we move through the book of Proverbs that you'll see. I think it's said that this phrase or the statement, my son, my son, which is like a, it's a term of endearment, uh, but it's used some 60 or 70 times in the book of Proverbs. But where we left off here in verse number eight, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Notice here what Solomon is not after his son for in verse number eight, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. I have concluded in my short time of raising kids that my kids don't really have a problem with listening, so to say. They have the problem with listening to the right people. They hear what I say, but somehow reasoning within themselves, they have determined that they don't have to hear me out. Or maybe it's the companionship of another friend. I believe that they hear, they just don't always hear the right people. Here Solomon is speaking to his son, telling his son, son, listen to the instruction I'm giving you. Uh, listen to the guidance I'm giving you. I guess you could start off in verse number eight and number nine and really grab a hold of what Solomon is really setting out. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about the neck. First, you could say in verse number eight and nine, where Solomon is not replacing the responsibility. Solomon doesn't start off in saying, listen, son, in order for you to get wisdom and instruction, you should listen to your school teacher. In order for you to receive wisdom and instruction, you should listen to your Sunday school teacher, or you should go heed your papa or your nana. Solomon puts forth wisdom and instruction. He says, the responsibility for a child to receive wisdom and instruction starts at home. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law 
of thy mother. Solomon stand here is assuming that everybody understands that wisdom and instruction should be taught in the home. The heart of the father is here that his son would hear him and that his son would also hear his mother. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Now, this word instruction here is in the Hebrew. It means to not only hear and understand, but it is to heed the discipline that his father has given him. It's to heed the chastening. This isn't to say of one collective statement. This is a lifetime of education that has been passed down from a father to a child. He says, heed this correction that I've given you. Understand the discipline that I've given you. Understand this chastening that you have received from your father, my son. Hear the instruction of thy father. It, it seems to be a commonplace in the life of youth and young people that they don't, they don't enjoy the thought of being corrected. They don't enjoy the thought of being instructed or directed. I mean, when I was growing up, many of you knew me, I dreamed about the day in which I would be at a place where nobody could tell me what to do. I would lay in bed fantasizing about not getting any more instruction as my bottom hurt. But you know what I learned when I got older? That all of those people who the Lord put in my life, they were instructing me and guiding me to keep me from making foolish decisions, and I learned wholeheartedly what it meant was the result of the foolish decisions. In my own personal life, I, in those people who I once opposed, who instructed me, they in return became dear to me. It was almost like they were saying to me, like Solomon was heeding to his son, my son. Understand when Solomon is speaking here, it's not from a place of excitement that he's lording over his child, or that he's happy that he has the opportunity to tell some kid what to do. Solomon starts off this statement with a, with a statement of compassion. Oftentimes, young people don't fully understand why their parents were so hard about things until they get later on in life and they say, wow, I really get what my parents were after. I understand now what they were actually trying to protect me from. But notice what he also says. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, if you was to look up this word law here, by the way, this is kind of an interesting place. Very few times in Scripture do you see a woman lifted up, so to say, in the position where they are both like teamwork is happening here between the man and the woman. But you see it here clearly in the instruction and guiding of a child. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Do not look over that word law. That word law is the same word in the Hebrew that's used throughout to reference the word Torah. Any of us knows the Torah, it's the first five books of the Old Testament. So when Solomon is telling his son 
to forsake not the law of thy mother, it kind of gives us a twofold thought. That the law of the mother is obviously aligned with scriptures, but also is to say that the education of the child is coinciding with scriptures. The law of thy mother. Don't forsake the teachings that you heard from your mom in the word of God. Hear my instruction, hear my correction, hear my guiding, hear my teaching, but don't forsake the law of your mother. Even more in verse number nine, Solomon will set out to say, by the way, you don't understand this now, but this is going to be a great benefit for you, my child. Kids oftentimes, they develop their own theories as why they're being disciplined. But discipline is for the child's benefit. By the way, this obviously, though Solomon is speaking to his child, this is obviously an overall implication because it really involves all of us. Correction in our life, in Scripture, is ultimately for our benefit. Correction in the Word of God is ultimately for our benefit. So Solomon says, I'm telling you to do this because for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Now, Solomon is telling his son not that he will be rich monetarily. He's not saying, son, if you'll heed my instruction, you're going to be rich monetarily, that you're going to have it made. But he says, if you will heed the instruction of your father, if you will heed the law that your mother teaches you, it will give you a good life in the same manner that Psalms 1 says. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You, it will give you a blessed life in that. It's not going to make you a, a rich man, but you will have a peaceful life. But even more, he says you'll have a good life. You're not going to have troubles with the law. But we're also countered with another reality here. Listen, you're going to be blessed. And by the way, here it says here, in chains about thy neck, this is the speak of, um, so to say, necklaces or, or gold chains. It's kind of a, kind of brings about the idea of these statements that he makes here is that they're honorary statements. It's to say that you'll be exalted, you'll be lifted up. This is a, a good place to be. But, he also goes further. You're going to have a blessed and peaceful life if you heed us. But he goes on to further warn them in verse number 10. Son, just because I gave you this instruction, I need you to recognize you're going to face persistent opposition. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Notice the words entice thee. This is the modus operandi of the sinner. Meaning this is the method and the manner in which the sinner works. You know, the reality is that we know this even in the workplace. Sinners do not like to be alone. People who live in sin do not like to be alone. But notice that what the text does not say. The text does not say, when the sinner is confronted with people who behave differently than them, the sinner flees. That's not what it says here. Instead, it says that when a sinner meets someone who doesn't behave like them, the absolute furthest thing from their mind is fleeing. 
but in return to entice the one who is not like them to be like them. Solomon says that you will encounter people who will set out to entice you. Now, this word entice in the Hebrew really has four different meanings. It means entice, it means persuade, it means deceive, it means to allure. Away from what? Away from the law of God, away from the instruction, the, the good moral instruction that you have received from your father. Hear me now. The sinner will do anything to get you on his page. Now, some have taken steps to say, hey, you know what? It's true. The sinner is always trying to entice us. So this is what we're going to do. Some groups have come up with the idea that they have become exclusionists. They've isolated themselves from society, like the Amish. They, they've isolated themselves off. They went off to this own specific group to say, hey, now we're going to protect ourselves and not to be enticed. But to have a thought process like this is to fail to understand the verse. The verse says what? My son, if what? Sinners entice thee. The reality is that we're all sinners. You could isolate yourself to the furthest part of Antarctica, you and a group of five, and guess what you're going to find yourself with? A bunch of sinners. And someone is going to be more liberal than you and entice you to see things their way. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. He says, son, you are going to have a persistent opposition against you. You're going to constantly be in face with people who will try to draw you away from my teacher. But listen, you got to stand firm. You got to be anchored. And don't you ever consent to go their way. The truth also goes on to say here in verses 11 through uh, 14, though Solomon is encouraging his son, that uh, though Solomon is encouraging his son to consent thou not, he'll go on to say that there are growing issues, issues in the way that the sinner behaves. Verses 11 through 14. We, we see that this, there's a persistent opposition. And I guess you could say that verse 11 through 14 is the perpetual plan of the sinner to draw the believer into sin. Verse, starting with verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privately for, for the innocent without cause. Understand the first lesson to be taught to you in verse number 11 is a simple explanation is that there are people in the world, regardless of what you would like to think, regardless of what you've been told, there are people in this world who simply do not have your best interest in mind. It doesn't matter how kind you are. It doesn't matter how innocent you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. There is a group of people who will, whenever opportunity is given, will take advantage of you. Even more, uh, verse number 11 kind of gives us the understanding that the group of people that Solomon is worried about are people with a predatory mindset, people who have made it through life, preying upon the innocent, preying upon the weak. 
So Solomon tells his son, son, don't get wrapped up with this group of people who make a living taking advantage of others. Now, this is a reality that even applies to us today. I can't tell you how many times that I found myself having to cancel my credit card because some people in Papua New Guinea or Uganda made a charge to my credit card. Or how many different times you've turned around and see these prosperity preachers and all of these people with robberies and people um, posing that they're the IRS and calling people. It seems like everywhere you turn, someone is trying to scam somebody. And you know who usually falls prey for that? The innocent, the weak, those who don't understand, the gullible. Solomon tells his son, don't you fall in line with people who prey upon people who don't understand. Don't you fall in line with these kinds of people. I mean, the list of people today who are just trying to find a victim to prey upon. Even more, we're certain that what he says here in verse number 11, in verse 12, let us swallow them alive as they go down uh, as the grave and hole as those that go down into the pit. Even more, in verse 11 again, let us lurk privately. Here's another point. For the innocent without cause. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. It's no doubt this is probably one of the reasons. This wasn't uh, foreign to them. This is probably why the Lord used the parable in the book of Luke about the good Samaritan. This kind of people is not foreign. The parable made sense because it was a problem in their day. And even in the time of Solomon, he's telling his son, listen, don't get involved with people who lay in wait, who, who hide, and then at the last second ambush somebody and rob them. But look at the distance, too, that these people are ready to go. Not only are they ready to lurk privately and jump out and take advantage but look at how depraved they actually are. This is way more than a robbery. He said, let us swallow them up alive as the grave. Notice it stops there. And whole. As those that go down into the pit. It's not, let us just take all that they have. It's more than that. It's not just rob them and leave them abandoned on the side of the road. He said, let's, let's swallow them up entirely. Let's take everything they have. Let's take them up as whole. You know, kind of like the people who go down into the pit. You know, like the people who die who take nothing with them. Let's do that to them. Let's take all of that from them. Leave them nothing. He, and then he goes on to say in verse 13, we shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Verse 14, cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. Here Solomon continues to paint the portrait of this group of people who fill their houses. They all have one purse. You know, I couldn't help but think in my mind when dealing with this kind of group of people today who work together, who operate together, who rob, who steal, who kill, and do all of these things. It's like gangs today. Let us all have one purse. We all come together. We're all one. And notice what he says here. 
let us all come together. And where he says, cast in thy lots among us. Let us all have one purse. Cast in thy lot among us. He's saying, listen, we're going to be one community, one group of people. We're going to be together. We're going to hang together. We're going to be, we're going to be our own people. But they're their own people who is in opposition to the community that stands today. They're in opposition to the ways of the world. But here in verse number 15, he's not going to leave it there. He's already put forth that these people are, they're at war against the communities of the world. There's no peace there. There's no true prosperity there. But after he states about the kind of people in verses 11 through 14, in verse number 15, he returns again and says, my son, walk thou not in the way with them. Refrain thy foot. From their path. He is going to go on before verse 19 and explain why this is the, what is the end result of this life. It's only death for the person who lives it. But look what he says here in verse 16. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. It's not just the blood of the innocent they shed, but they also shed their own blood. They also turned their backs up, their backs on each other. He says, listen, son, you can't get caught up with these people. You can't get caught up with these people because these people are untrustworthy. Verse 18, for they lay wait for their own blood. They look privately for their own lives. In verse 17, he says, their own plans turn uh, back on them again. He says, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Well, Solomon has really set forth for his son. He says, son, the, the sinner's nature is so foolish that these sinners, I mean, he really says that these sinners who behave in this manner, they're dumber than birds. He said, even a bird knows when he sees a net up in the air not to fly in it. Even a bird knows when there's a net up in the air that he, he needs to go around it. But these sinners hide and wait, preparing to kill, preparing to rob, preparing to overthrow, preparing to cast down in the pit. But while they're living this way, they're not smart enough to figure out this is going to be their end too. If you have any questions about this, I was, uh, it was like two weeks ago, and my phone got an update for the Netflix, and they said that they loaded up a bunch of new TV series and everything, so on and so forth. One of the things they had on there was the life of gangsters in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And one of the things that they had there was a series of who came over and became, and this mob boss, and this mob boss, and this mob boss, and he became this, and he was here in this time, and he was here in this time. But the most interesting point was, was, you know, uh, most infamous cr uh, crime boss in our day would be like John Gotti. But John Gotti only became crime boss when he killed his boss to become the crime boss. So here it is. Even in our day, we see this thought process before us. 
how many gangsters have killed their own gangsters and how many gangsters have killed their boss so that they could become boss and then people killed them so they could become boss. It's so on and so forth. And so this is the never-ending nature of people who live like this. This is the never-ending cycle. He says, son, even the birds know better than this. Don't be so foolish that you fall in with these people. Verse 19. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Notice what he says. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Son, everyone that is greedy for unjust gain is going to fall prey to the same traps they set to deceive others. It doesn't matter if it starts all the way down to the, the high school bully. It doesn't matter whether it's the hacker who steals your credit card information. I mean, you could think about even in our recent history, Adolf Hitler, what did he do? Look at what he was willing to do to promote his own ideology to to have his own greedy game to build his own empire and in the end he succumbed to his own trap that he set he said oh i'm going to draw them in and i'll conquer them and i'm going to draw them in and i'm going to conquer them and i've devised all these plans and in the end it cost him his own life the same for Mussolini, the same for Mao. Mussolini made friends, and so did Russia, made friends with Hitler, like, sure, go ahead, kill the whole world, and in the end, guess what happened? Hitler tried to kill them. This is the never-ending story of history. These people who rationalize violence in pursuit of their social desires, and in the end, they, they die in the same environment that they've created. My son, my son, hear the instructions of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My son, walk not in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Really, this portion of Proverbs can be summarized in our day and age to a couple simple words. Who are you listening to? Who has your ear? Who are you following? Who has your focus? And then the next question is, is that the people you are listening to, are they drawing you closer to the instruction of our Heavenly Father? Are they drawing us closer to the law? Are they drawing us closer to the Word of God? Or are they enticing us to come their way? Are they enticing us to behave in a manner that's not glorifying to God? So Solomon, again here this week, 
is begging his child. And I love when he says this, my son, my son, my son. It is really to set forth to remind him that these are hard and heavy things. But it's handled in the most compassionate way, reminding him, listen, I'm looking out for you because I'm your father. And that's exactly how it should feel when we get into the word of God. When we arrive here and we read these heavy things and we study these heavy things when we're working through John or when we're working through Proverbs, we shouldn't say, why why do you say that? We should take that as the loving voice of our heavenly father saying, my son, my daughter, hear the instructions of my book. Hear the instructions of my word. If you heed it, you are going to have a prosperous life. I'm not saying your wallet's going to fill up, but you're going to live a life that's glorifying to me. You're going to live a life of peace. But listen, if you want to follow after the world and do the things that they, the world does, these get rich shenanigans or taking advantage of this person or doing this and doing that, don't worry. In the end, you're going to fall prey to the same trap you've set for others all these years. But if you heed me, you heed me and hear what I said, that the lifestyle that you're involved in, in the end, that will be the lifestyle that you are involved in. You want to involve yourself in a life of crime, you'll die in the life of crime. But if you'll heed my instruction and follow after me, it will be a sweet walk. And in the end, in the end, it will end the same sweet walk that we strive to live here. Because in the end, we've heeded the instructions of the Lord. We followed his word and it will be such an exciting time to see him there. I often believe that sometimes people struggle to sing about the thoughts of heaven and the, the, uh, the, the exciting moments of seeing our Savior face to face. The reason they struggle with it so much is because they have so much enjoyment in this world because they've failed to heed the instructions of our Heavenly Father. Well, you can rationalize why they enjoy that so much. But in the end, the challenge this week for this lesson is to heed the instructions of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we... Give thanks to you for all that you've done, Lord. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and the uh, deep amount of knowledge and understanding and guidance and instruction that's presented before us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll help us during this time in which we study this book, Lord, that you'll continue to um, give me the words to speak and give me the understanding, Lord. Ultimately, Lord, I thank you for those who gathered here and for those who wanted to be here, Lord. But I really just overall thank you for the Witten Place Baptist Church, the opportunity to be here and to worship you, Lord. Thank you for even giving me the desire to worship you. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.